collaboration in the field of conflict resolution is usually taught as if you if you when you're in conflict, then start to collaborate, and that's how you work your way out of it. And so I define co- uh, collaboration as the dual pr- the pursuit of dual outcomes, better solutions to situations, and stronger relationships among participants. Hello, and welcome to the Helping Organizations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions, and robust strategies to help their companies thrive. We'll be interviewing business leaders, owners, experts, and thought leaders in the field of business resilience. Do enjoy the episode. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, today, I have uh, Patrick Allwood on the show. Uh, welcome. I say good morning, good afternoon. We're in different uh, time zones. Good morning to you, uh, Patrick. Good morning, uh, Julian, or good afternoon, perhaps in your area. Good morning from Canada. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Okay, it's good to. I was going to tell the audience <clears throat> a little bit about you. You spent many years working as a litigation lawyer, arbitrator, mediator policy analyst and uh, conflict management uh, consultant. Um, But you're also an author uh, of the book, The Collaborative Path, Six Steps for Better Communication, Problem Solving and Decision Making. And today we will be exploring uh, collaboration shifts in the workplace, uh, opportunities in collaboration versus the danger in debate. Uh, But before we go there, I'd like to ask, and so the audience can get a little bit to know you better, is uh, what do you love about what you do, Patrick? I think what I love most is that I can have a real impact on on people and how they interact and hopefully a global impact on how people interact. That's often the feedback really I get from the book is that once they read it, they go, wow, that changes how how I am with my home, my community, my workplace. And we all want to make an impact. Um, did you set out or have you always had this sense of wanting to make an impact with what you do in your day-to-day? I don't think I really did. I think when I was a trial lawyer, I always thought it was about the competition, you know, the the thrill of, of the fight. And later on, I realized that it wasn't about that. It was really about an opportunity to combat injustice really was was what it was for me. So I suppose in that way, I didn't. Th- I don't think I realized that at the time. And mm-hmm. even when I wrote the book, uh, uh, The Collaborative Path, I thought I, when I started, I was just writing because I had a different perspective than most others and than really anyone else in the field, I suppose. And I thought that I was just providing started out as guidance for some of my colleagues to give them to share my perspective. And the more I wrote, the more it became obvious to me that, no, this is something that, that needs to be out there. And it wasn't that I was looking to change the world when I started. It's just the more that I wrote and the more in some ways resistance from the field of conflict resolution that I experienced, the more, the more obvious it became that, that is that is what I'm supposed to be doing is 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 shifting us from conflict resolution, which is inherently reactive, to collaboration, 
which is uh, proactive and prevents conflict before it begins. It's interesting because you are like a conflict management expert, so to speak, in terms of your background, isn't it? And that's where you, you've come from. Is you've almost seen the the other side, and you've you've, you've got this view on on collaboration. Now, collaboration, obviously, people sort of know that, and I, but. I, what it is and what it creates it creates innovation it creates harmony it creates better working relationships and you just said it's you've got a different view on it and it'd be interesting just to understand how you define collaboration because we all define it in different ways slightly but you've just set out a little bit of a stall there that you've you've got this sort of different perspective when you were sort of sharing it with your colleagues yeah so Collaboration in the field of conflict resolution is usually taught as if you if you when you're in conflict, then start to collaborate, and that's how you work your way out of it. And so, I define co- uh, collaboration as the dual pr- the pursuit of dual outcomes, better solutions to situations, and stronger relationships among participants. What's different in my approach to collaboration than in conflict resolution or in getting to yes, for example, which is the the foundational work for the whole field of conflict resolution, is that I address where conflict comes from and, and what we can do to prevent it from the outset, whereas the field addresses what to do after conflict arises or getting to yes addresses how you negotiate when negotiations have broken down for the most part. That's, that's how it's used. That might not have been its original intent. And that's how it's come apart, come out though, in the, uh, in its application in the field. So almost like conflict management is the dealing with the, the symptoms, I guess the outfall, isn't it? And I guess your, your approach is to get to the, the root of it right, right at the start, starting point. Yeah. Cause just... we've always, uh, we've always been taught, right. Where does conflict come from? And the, the simple answer is always differences. Conflict arises from differences. I said, no, it doesn't. Opportunity arises from differences. Conflict arises from the fact that we use a debate model to discuss the differences. That's an interesting point because I think people see conflicts. Obviously, there's the motion in conflict, but there's the conflict is I want to go A and you want to go B. Therefore, we have a conflict. Um, so let's let's take that as an example. How we then bring that into a context of not conflict, not debate, but more how do how do we get a collaborative approach to that that makes it a I'm not going to use the win win type of approach, but it's a shared outcome, I guess. Yeah. So where where we would di- divert from ordinary discourse is typically. You want to go toward A, I want to go toward B. So then we we gently persuade for a while, and then we firmly negotiate. We might fiercely debate, and we might even litigate. And it's only at that point, usually, <laughs> that collaboration is, is, is tried. And so instead of uh, of looking at it from a judgmental approach, a spirit of uh, a judgmental spirit, and saying, you know, A doesn't make any sense, Julian. Like that's just the wrong way to go, and I know I'm right. And you doing the exact same thing, we shift immediately to an approach of curiosity at the outset and go, 
wow, there's there we have a difference of perspectives. I wonder what opportunity rests within that. Interesting, because I think that's, I mean, I do a lot of um, conflicts within people and I help um, leaders who perhaps have conflict with other individuals in their organization. And I do techniques uh, and it's all about creating those <clears throat> different perspectives because often the conflict is you just got one perspective and you don't understand where they're coming from. And I, and I do a technique that enables them to see it from different angles. Mm -hmm. But I guess with that, you've got to have a, an openness to listen and, and hear or see another perspective, isn't it, first? That, that's the start place, isn't it? That is always the start. And actually, that is really step two of, of the model that I've, that I've laid out in my book, is to exchange perspectives. One of the real uh, serious problems we're hitting in all areas of society right now is that pers a perspective is being presented as truth. And while it's valid to its holder, it's still a perspective. And if we shift from language of true and false, right and wrong, good or evil, to perspectives, then it opens up a different dialogue where we can explore, whereas you're not going to want to explore evil and you're not going to want to explore false. You are perhaps open to explore a different perspective and valuing perspectives so when you know take the example the a and b we've just we've just started with is that coming with a view of i want to understand your why you think a and then why you think b is is it people asking questions being open-minded listening it's all that those sort of skills isn't those sort of context of of, of that place it is, and it's starting that from the very outset, from the no, from the moment that we notice there's a, a difference of of opinion or perspective. It's opening it up to say, how are how do we want to talk about step one? Let's set parameters for the conversation. How are we going to talk about what we're going to talk about, and setting those parameters for it, and then exchanging perspectives with that atmosphere of safety and respect for the conversation having been created by step one. Mm. So I guess it's then coming to that place of, as you say, setting the, uh, I guess the, the boundaries or parameters, you call it uh, of, of the context. Mm -hmm. also, what are you trying to achieve in this dialogue? Isn't it? What, are, what What's our aim? And obviously if you're trying to, be more future focused, more positive. Hopefully you're both or a number of people will be thinking we want to achieve, I don't know, move forward or we want to create more innovation or we want to take us all from A to C ultimately or whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and the problem with one of the big problems with with debate, you know, we don't we don't decide on good ideas for innovation. By because of debate, we we come to good ideas for innovation despite debate. De debate always favors the status quo, therefore it always slows innovation. It um, it's almost invariably about two options only, with no development of further options during that process. So we have that that phenomena where. We narrow our options early, and in doing so, we narrow our minds forever. And 
that it, I'm really surprised that we have even innovate as much as we do, considering that we still use debate as the model for human interaction, even within other models of innovation. They still depend on the you and me conversation in the end to have to get to the idea and mm. to develop it. And you think the the sort of the uh, debating is the flawed way of going about it? Yeah, absolutely. We can't debate without being judgmental in the same way that we can't collaborate without being curious. And if you look at the format of a debate, and whether it's fierce or it's friendly, it still follows the same approach. One, first thing you do for a debate is you need to narrow the situation down to a dichotomy. So that gets you your two options right off the bat. Mm. Then you present pros and cons. And in order to be effective in a debate, you have to be able to rebut as well as you present. And so as soon as you get into that, if you're going to be effective at rebuttal, then you have to listen to respond. You can't afford to listen with curiosity. You have to be judgmental and confident that your side is right. Mm. And so in that process, we, we're, it's almost designed to trigger conflict because in dismissing everybody else's ideas and other ideas and points and arguments with them, even if, the, even if it's a friendly debate, there is a dismissiveness to the message in a debate. Hence our frequent use of the word but. <laughs> yes. So when, when we're having those conversations, mm. debates, and in some people's mind, we're thinking we're collaborating because we're sharing ideas or we're sharing my idea, you're sharing yours, and I'm persuading you and I'm challenging you and I'm coming up with the, the reason why we should go to A as opposed to Patrick wants to go to B. Um, and it gets a little bit heated and, you know, and almost seems to be, as you say, coming to a, almost a dead end, really, in terms of where the discussion is going to go. How do we sort of, I guess, take it into a place of collaboration? Because a lot of debates and certainly can get very uh, emotional, and that's that's always a, a problem when anything gets very emotional, emotionally charged. It's very difficult, A, for people to see what's what's important, uh, and then just pride kicks in, everything else goes on. Um, how do we, A, reduce that? emotionality of it all and then kick us back into that collaboration if we've gone down the track and we've we've missed that point of starting where you such where we should start that gets very difficult doesn't it that that's one of the problems with the with the approach of conflict resolution is that there's a lot of scar tissue around with that and it's not very easily removed now Yes, if you use a collaborative model, even after conflict is well escalated, you probably do have a chance in the 80% range that things are going to work out and that it will be de-escalated and people will find a better solution. Why bother? Why, why let it get to that stage? Because the example actually that I'm, I'm giving in a talk that's coming up soon is that you know, if you look at Paul and Kate with the business, and so Paul thinks it should go in one direction, Kate thinks it should go in the other, and they they persuade and they negotiate, and then eventually they 
then eventually they uh, decide to litigate. And three years later, then they do use mediation and they get to a, a good solution. And everybody says, there you go. Evidence that that uh, there's a positive side to conflict. Look at, they come up with a better idea than either of them started with. Here's the question that doesn't get asked. What did they do that day that they couldn't have done on day one, three years earlier? Mm-hmm. And the answer is not a darn thing. All they did differently was they, they changed the format of the conversation from debate to collaborate. And so you look at that and you go, what a waste. You, well, you can imagine how much how much um, negative energy has been wasted during that three years? How much uh, discomfort for everyone? You know? And people talked about a profit on uh, you know you can profit from conflict. There's even courses on you can profit from conflict. Profit from conflict. Profit. There's no return on investment from the roll aids. That, that that Paul and Kate ate every day, and and there's no return from the rivers of red wine they pour down at night either. So that's not a profit. Frank is giving me a hard time here, my puppy dog. I thought he was good for the morning, but he's obviously decided to, that he wants to yap. He wants to join in the conversation. Yes, he does. <laughs> he's got a few points he wants to share. <laughs> he wants to debate. <laughs> he wants to debate. Absolutely, yes. So you obviously spent many years in litigation with people. Yes. Is, is that where this has come from for you, where you've got a little bit disillusioned with it and seeing all these stories over years? And obviously you've been employed as a lawyer. That's what you get paid to do, to litigate. And if they'd only got that place of collaboration early on, is that, is that where this has come from? That's where you started to think, actually, there's a new, there's a new way of doing this. It, it was even further than that, actually, Julian. When I, when I started into uh, learned conflict resolution, I thought, oh, my God, I found the holy grail to the litigation issue that is so expensive. People should just mediate. And yet we know that med- mediation is very cost-effective, we know that it's very time effective. We know it's very successful and it's minimally used. And so then I realized, I looked at it and said, well, why is that happening? Why would people not want to engage in mediation when it's such an advantage? And the answer is that there's such a, con- such a, a um, stigma around conflict that people won't engage in it in conflict resolution, because conflict means admitting that I am part of the problem. And as long as I can claim that I have rights and I have entitlements, then I can say I'm the good guy and I'm the victim. That person is the bad guy and they're the perpetrator. And so it's it's the stigma around conflict that was preventing conflict resolution from being used. And so I said, well, then then why don't we try to prevent conflict? And that's really where you get to collaboration. Why not do it at the outset rather than three years down the road, like Paul and Kate? And did you start to introduce this into when you were a litigating lawyer or or that was not part of what you're doing? No, it was one of those things that I kind of always was interested in exploring the whole field of conflict resolution. And Mm. it was just you'd never leave a lucrative law practice to go and be a starving mediator. <laughs> <laughs> and an un- 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 unfortunate sequence of events 
led me to that uh, to that anyway. And so then then I thought, well, yeah, this is really easy. This should work. And then no, it didn't. And uh, and then when I get into the field of conflict resolution and, and discussions with colleagues, um, there was just such a resistance to the idea that we need to build uh, collab- strength and collaborative skills in the workplace. Mm. You know, that no, 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 we need to teach conflict competence. And I was like, yeah, that's like shutting that barn door after the horse is long left. There's there's an earlier time when we can address mm. this. What what do you think the issue is where people don't want to, at the outset, collaborate or, as you say, learn collaboration skills? I'm talking through this sort of collaboration skills, not just getting yeah. on with each other. Yeah. What's what's the blocker? What is it? A mindset thing? Is it a, a historical? Is it a cultural thing? It's we've been debating since Socrates. So if you look at the infrastructure, the social and institutional infrastructure around debate, it's pretty vast. It is it is incredibly vast. And you look at uh, what's the most common form of governance, the common most common set of rules for governance in any organization, Robert's Rules of Order. We've enshrined debate. We, we've enshrined debate to such an extent that we don't even notice. It's invisible to us that that's what we do when we're having an ordinary conversation. Mm. And almost every conversation is debate style. If you want to check that out, Listen for how often you hear but. Yeah. And we've gotten so good at but, we don't want anybody to get bored with the word but. So sometimes we use the basic but, but. Sometimes we use the backyard but, yeah, but. And sometimes still we use the sophisticated boardroom but. However, sounds better, it's still but. <laughs> I hear what you're saying, Julian, but. I, I, that's a good idea. However, I think we all know how that how the rest of that sentence Definitely. goes. That's well, I, remember, I, remember, I remember learning to use the word "and" as a way of building. So I like what you said, uh, Patrick. And just to add to that, so you're building upon what they've just said, which is far more valuing the person what they've said, but also you're adding your own thoughts, which is also what you want to do, and it starts to build something as opposed to pulling it one way or the other, isn't it? Yeah, instead of substituting. Yeah, I tell people they need to shrink their butts, <laughs> their verbal butts. Yes. So how, how do we, and I'm, I'm sure this is part of what you're doing now, you're on a mission to do this, how do we bring this more collaborative approach this, into a more of a cultural in an organisation? What's the starting point? How, if, if a leader is listening to this conversation right now and they're thinking, yeah, we need to get a bit Better, we need to get a lot better about this collaboration approach. We, get, we have a lot of conflict in the organization. We need to be more collaborative. Where, do, where should they start? What are the one or two things they need to think about? I think that they need to, to start exploring resources for collaboration that are beyond an IT platform. We see a lot of platforms out there that are, this, this will make you better at collaboration. Now we'll give you a technical platform upon which to carry out debate. So look at what debate really is and what collaboration really is. And I I tell people often that if you only could take two things away from the the six-step model, you could start to experiment with it with 
with just a sh- an attitude and an action. Mm-hmm. If you adopted an attitude of curiosity instead of a spirit, a judgmental spirit, that would be the first part. Because if, once you do that, then you can start to listen to learn instead of to listen to respond. Mm-hmm. And you can start to ask questions of, tell me more about this so that I learn instead of, well, why do you ever think we should do that? So that would be the first part. The second part would be to, as an action, would be to set parameters at the start of conversations. We see things differently. How are we going to talk about that? Let's talk about how we're going to talk about what Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about before we get into the conversation. And in doing that, we change the conversation because we create an atmosphere for safety, respect, and exploration of opportunities instead of Mm. uh, focusing it down to that dichotomous type of approach. I think that interesting that that setting that um, curiosity intent, that that focus on how can I be, what what else could be out of this and be curious. Uh, You know, I talked to to a lot of my clients about uh, having your intents right when you, when you approach people, your intent to, when you see somebody instead of, I, try, I just want to get a sale out of this person. Therefore, I just want to get some money out of it. My intent is to help them, help them grow, develop, whatever it may be. Um, and it's, as a coach, I, I'm inc- increasingly, or well, more and more curious. Uh, some people might call it nosy, but um, I am curious <laughs> when I ask questions. And, um, you know, I see myself as a, we co-collaborate together when I'm in a coaching client mm-hmm. sort of, is it's, it's a collaboration. It is that's how it works, and I, you know, yeah. slightly, you know, guided and obviously sort of questions. But you know, I'm curious, uh, and yes, we set parameters. The right start. What, what what's our intent with this this session? You know, where are we going with this? So we're really clear. Um, that's important. Now, with collaboration and with that approach that you've just set out, um, does that mean we can't have challenging conversations? That we can really be robust and really push back on people's ideas is that is that is that is that part of that um you can actually have better challenging conversations because we can it's so much easier to challenge an idea when you've already set the parameters for the conversation that that it's going to be a conversation that's respectful it can still be pointed and it can be about ideas, not personalities. It can have space for listening uh, to be heard and to hear others, to be respectful in language uh, and to be open to possibilities. That mm-hmm. enables us to, to uh, approach those conversations in an entirely different way still challenging, still robust, and exploring what it is that we want and want to avoid before mm-hmm. we decide what our options are. Yeah, because just going back to our earlier example of the A and B, mm-hmm. actually yeah. it's been in that place of curiosity and what could happen, actually see maybe a better option that we've not even thought of until we start to talk about it and share about it. And yeah. that starts to create that, 
opening up. And in fact, it's not compromising. It's it's that synergistic approach, isn't it? One plus one is three. It, that that it's that mindset, isn't it? There's a difference here. There's there's a mindset that actually this is far more empowering and far more bigger than you and what it could be uh, when you come together and collaborate. Indeed. It, and it's less arrogant. I guess I would put it that way, Julian. Mm. If you and I look at a situation and we go, okay, my option is A and your option is B, we have to be pretty cocky to think that those are the only two options. Mm. Because if five other people looked at it, do you think only option A and B would be the only two that ever made it onto the table? I don't, I don't think I'm smart enough to own at least one half, one of the two best options. No, I agree with you. I remember coaching an individual and it was a conflict situation. So we were doing various scenarios and I initially I had my thoughts on what I think they should do. I had two or three things, ideas that they could help them, but I didn't share that. So it's not for me to share. And then they came up with these different ideas, four or five ideas that I had not even thought of. And in fact, I didn't even bother sharing what I, because mine was, was irrelevant. And mm. it's having that perspective that actually uh, they may have better ideas or actually coming together and sharing can spark better ideas. Yeah. 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 That's one of the reasons why there's no such thing as a bad idea in a brainstorming, right? It, it, they only become bad if we instantly evaluate them and throw them out on the table, throw mm. that evaluation out, at which point we shut down creativity. Yeah. But we've all been to meetings where somebody said maybe inside their head, don't really like that idea. And even to think that gives you cause to start thinking about better ones. And beyond that, we've been to those meetings where that idea circles around, gets five or six tweaks and comes back and becomes the springboard for a really good idea. Yeah. Uh, well, I think we need to have more of this collaborative approach but for me from our conversation that those two things about having that curiosity and setting those parameters is a really good place to start uh, having those collaborative conversations um i really appreciated your time here today patrick um how can people get in touch with you and you have written a book on this as well called the collaborative uh, path and so how can people get hold of that as well Sure. So a couple of easy ways to get uh, to, the easiest way to get a hold of me is at my website, collaborativepath.ca. The easiest way to check out my resources and my collaborative model is probably on my YouTube channel. And my YouTube channel is collaborative path, all one word. And um, and the book is available at all of the uh, usual Amazons, the Barnes and Nobles, and the, the other chains of bookstores uh, readily available. So, yeah. Brilliant. Thank you for your time today, Patrick. It's been brilliant, insightful, and helpful. And hopefully people are going to go away with ways to be more collaborative in their relationships in their workplace. Thank you. It's been a pleasure uh, speaking with you, Julian. Thank you for the invitation to guest on your show. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you do like this episode, then please do rate, review, and share with your friends and colleagues. As a coaching practice, we coach high-performing leaders and teams with extreme ambitions. We'll help you to go beyond what you believe is possible. If this sounds like you, then let's have a conversation with me. Contact me at julianrobertsconsulting.com.